Welcome to Courageous Conversations with your host, Richard Dolan, a world-renowned speaker, mentor, and coach to many celebrity icons and global thought leaders. Listen as they share their stories and insights about what it takes to lead a courageous life, from overcoming adversity to living with purpose and meaning. Each guest brings a unique perspective that will leave you feeling empowered and motivated to make positive changes in your own life starting today. Tony Hawk, hello. What's up, big fella? You good? I'm good. Thank you. Dude, I'm so grateful. How's everyone? Everyone's happy. They're talking about you. We just looked at your 900 rerun. You've got uh, friends and family from uh, Google in the house, Braun Studios in the house. People from all around the world, if you don't mind, put your uh, name and where you're in the world because Tony has broken up his day with a small little window to say hello before we talk more about him behind his back. Um, but let him know where you're from. <laughs> so given just the small window you've given me to come and say hello, first and foremost, how are you doing out there in Hawaii? Good. We uh, we were just trying to escape all the COVID chaos in California for a couple of weeks and I don't think we're necessarily in the clear, but it feels a little bit safer to go home now. So we're heading home this weekend and um, just been here with my family, skating and surfing and trying to stay busy. And well, listen, you're not, it's not difficult for you to stay busy because it would appear to me that you've never had a real slow time, even during this pandemic of sorts. You've been busier more now than ever before. What do you think is the biggest fascination about uh, Tony Hawk skateboarding and uh, being really the king of asphalt? and uh, the defier of gravity. <laughs> You're asking me, I don't know. I think, I think people, more, people are more fascinated that I can do it at my age now. Um, that seems to be the, the driving force. And hey, I'll take it, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy you know, to, to be out there doing it in public because I'm still good at it. So um, yeah, I think uh, the, the surprising silver lining of a pandemic, especially over the last six months has been that skateboarding is bigger than ever. Um, more people are, are starting for the first time. Um, they find themselves stuck in one place and maybe curious about trying to skate. And we cannot, I have a skateboard company myself. We cannot get enough product made um, in recent months, which is scary, but exciting. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of, it's the kind of activity you can do on your own. Um, you can do uh, at your own pace. You don't have to rely on a team. And uh, it's constantly challenging and constantly thrilling. So I told, you know, I've always advocated for skating, but to see it now in, um, in a much more popular setting has been really fun. So one of the things, you know, again, only because I've got Tony in, the, in, in one place at one time. And so I'm going to just pull double duty. I wanted to make sure he said hello to everyone around the world, number one. Number two, though, is I want to plant a seat for him because we've been chatting a little bit. We have a mutual friend in common, and we're both a massive stand for you, Tony, as you know, Max and I. But, but with that being said, um, here's the idea. Mental wellness and, and being able to really just be at peace and express yourself and get out is at the, at the heart of why skateboarding has really surged in a big and meaningful way. Um, I'm noticing a lot of interest about your story, about skateboarding, and about how we can really institutionalize that sport around the world. How do you, do you feel the weight of that, that desire coming at you do you feel the weight the want of tony hawk more now than ever before well i only in that i i'm getting a lot more requests for to be included in things like this um and and even appearances coming up mostly obviously online but um 
I can tell you I've never done so many live streams in my life over the last six months or so or a year. And um, it's been really fun. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that skateboarding has come of age. I'm thankful to be young enough to see it and participate in it the way it is now. And I think it deserves more um, airtime. <laughs> I do. I, I think that, you know, there have been a few key stories of skateboarding, like Dogtown and Z-Boys, um, that have piqued people's interest, but but nothing that's delved into the true rich history of the pioneers of it, um, especially through the 80s when we were skating um, against all odds uh, with a lot of pushback from the general public. You know, skating was the furthest thing from cool when I was in high school. It was literally like you had jocks and nerds and then skaters were fell off the totem pole. And I used to get hassled. I used to get beat up. We now know it as bullying. But, um, you know, I got picked on a lot because I skated. And uh, nowadays, the cool kids in school are the skaters. And that's just fascinating to me. A hundred percent. And I understand why, because they they are DIY. They they are independent and they are highly motivated. Would you describe yourself and the generation you came from as rebellious, given that you did it no matter what security guards said, no matter what your parents said, no matter what people said, <laughs> no matter how much, how many, how many times you were chased out of parks and or corporate uh, environments? Would, would you say that there was a part of you that just stuck to it in such a way that it was your way of expressing yourself or was it, or was it a rebel within? Um, I never thought of myself as a, as a rebel. I mean, I was, I was 11, 12 years old when I got seriously into skateboarding. I think I just loved what it provided me in terms of self-confidence and, um, and a sense of, of individuality. And so as my friends all quit, I didn't really care. I just loved doing it. And suddenly I found myself um, skating with very few people uh, with all the parks closing. And it was more like we were just seeking out places to go. So the idea that we were trying to be rebellious and trespass and things like that, that, that was not my attitude. My attitude was like, I just want to find a place to skate. And if this is the only place to skate and it's public property, then so be it. We're not hurting anything. Um, but yeah, I had my fair share of trespassing tickets through those years. <laughs> so I love that though, you know, fall in love with what you love and stick to it, um, which likely gave rise to your philanthropic efforts. You were, you were one of the largest contributors to giving rise to skate parks right across America. How's that project going uh, and how passionate do you remain about making uh, skateboarding available to all? Um, well, I think that that's, that's probably my most rewarding and important work is through the, the skate park project. That's, it's my foundation for public skate parks in underserved areas, and we've been doing it over uh, 20 years now and helped to fund over 1,000 skate parks. Um, we've actually done an international outreach program through Skatistan, so we've helped to fund a facility in um, Cambodia, one in South Africa, and soon one in Jordan. And so... Um, I'm just trying to provide the same opportunity that I had as a kid. I got very lucky that one of the last remaining skate parks in the U.S. Um, was in my area in San Diego. And it wasn't lost on me that, that hardly anybody else had a place like that to go. And that's where I found my sense of self, my sense of community. That's where I found my tribe. And it wasn't like we were trying to make careers out of it. We were just happy that, that we had a place to belong and so that's what i'm trying to provide through the skate park project is that kind of place of belonging for kids who feel like outcasts and feel like they don't have the support from 
their local communities or their local leaders um, because they choose to skate. And um, and it's funny because when a when a city is reluctant to have a skate park because of whatever stigma there is from skateboarding, um, and they finally do agree to have one, they realize how much use it gets, what a positive influence it is on the community, and they always end up building more. So um, our work is is crucial and. Like I said, we don't fund entire parks necessarily, but with our endorsement, with our funding, it usually gets them pushed over the edge of either getting full approval or getting final funding. Well, and that that's, um, I'm sensitive to your time because I know you've got lots on the go. You're in between <laughs> interviews, you're, you're launching shows, you're, you're behind something that's cool in Broadway. <laughs> you've got a, a life story that's um, really about to pop. Um, but it sounds like you're about to just transition from athlete to ambassador. And not just for skateboarding, but it almost feels like athletic uh, expression. Uh, before we get to that part, though, um, I, I, I don't think you're transitioning anytime soon. Just just recently on your birthday, I heard that you you performed some incredible trickery. T- tell us about your birthday and how you spent it. Well, uh, I think you're referring to my 50th birthday. I, I decided I wanted to do 50 tricks um, that I had created over the years. And uh, the <laughs> in full disclosure... I shot it over the course of a few months and just kept wearing the same clothes. So it may look like it's all on the same day. I assure you it was not. Um, that is so and, awesome. uh, so cool. And then I guess most recently what people saw is that I, I did um, a 720, which is a trick that I created in 1985 and haven't done it in a few years and managed to summon one up again. That was just a few weeks ago, actually. And um so yeah, I'm still active, but, but when you say my transitioning, I, I still feel very much, I think that my role of an ambassador to skateboarding came over the last 15 years or so, especially with the success of our video games. So um, I don't think that I'm making some shift that direction. I think I have been there for a while. I just still walk the walk. That's the difference. That's 100%. You, you are still a living demonstration of what it means to be an athlete called skateboarder. And, and do, you, do you see yourself doing this for the next 10, 20, 30 years to still attempt to still go and to still try and do the tricks that you've done? Or do you think there's going to be a point where you're going to have to say, well, hold on, Tony, back up now. Does that live in you? Is that living in your mind? <laughs> yeah, I think there'll be a point where and I don't maybe want to do it in public. Um, but uh, I think I'll know when that time comes. So uh, to answer your question, I, I don't have a, a master plan. I don't have an ultimatum of when I'm too old. I'm definitely the litmus test for how far you can take it and at what age you can stay relevant. But um, I'm happy to do so. And uh, I'm having more fun than ever. So uh, I'll keep doing it until, until the wheels fall off. Hey man, put some Literally. put some love in there for Tony because I mean he's taking some time away from the things that I know are really important right now. Tony, I know that um, um, as you've got people listening, a lot of people here and many of my team as they're curating uh, a number of the chapters that are there for you, uh, things that they want you to do. Is there something you can't wait to do? Something you would love to do that you've not yet been asked to do, or something that you hope someone will ask you to do, or you might be already up to it? But is there something there that uh, Tony Hawk would just love to go and do? Well, I, I think that, uh, honestly, I, I left another Zoom call for this call. And um, I love you for my it. Zoom call. I love you, buddy. Is what's that? No, what I'm saying is, is uh, that we are working on an actual Broadway project um, that includes skateboarding. 
And so uh, I'm working with Mark Mothersbaugh, who's the front man of Devo, who did all the soundtracks probably to TV shows and, and movies that you love. And um, we bought the rights to a Nick Hornby book about a teenage skater whose girlfriend gets pregnant. Um, and we want to bring that to life on stage. We've been working on it a couple of years. We actually have a whole story. We have the songs in place. Um, what a time to be working on a Broadway project, but we got to believe that Broadway will come back. And that's pretty much, I'd say, that the, the, the only thing that I haven't been able to do in a timely fashion and honestly a passion project. So I'm excited to, to make it work. And I feel like as we work behind the scenes and we finally get a final script and we get a whole production in place, I think we'll be ready for Broadway reopening. So that's that's the goal, but we're still looking for funding. So if anyone's interested, no, it's called Slam. I'm I'm in. I'm taking it. You already know that, and uh, I'll talk right. Matt into it as well. But but I mean, you know, for those who are just time tuning in, I mean, I know Tony's going to drop me any minute now. But but Tony, I want to give you a gift before you go. Number one is yes, I'm in. Um, anytime you can actually really truly create a legacy that lives on film, on stage, or in on Broadway, it's the right thing to do. Because it's it's the it's the way in which you can teach and inspire people for generations to come to keep doing it the way you once did and the way you keep doing it in in the way in which you're doing it. So that's just number one. Number two is, dude, one of the things that's the undertones to you is, oh, you also got Dr. Bobby in there. Uh, number two is, dude, you're so chill and so cool that I I I hope as I age personally, um, I I I'd be as cool as you are because nothing seems to. Really <laughs> Nothing seems to really roll you. Do, do you still find yourself as chill as you've always been? Very steady, Eddie, very uh, subdued, and you take, you're kind of fluid. Are, are all those good descriptors? Um, I, I hope so. I, I think my kids might beg to differ sometimes, but, um, but uh, yeah, I think so. And, and also, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful that I got to succeed in a, in a world and a business that was the most unlikely path to a career. I mean, when I was growing up, no one made a career of skateboarding. It wasn't even a thing you could dream of because no one had done it. So the idea that I've been able to do it into my 50s and still do it is just unreal. Um, and so I don't take that for granted. Uh, I'm thankful for all the opportunity. I'm thankful to provide for my family. And that's pretty much the bottom line. I mean, you know, obviously I have my share of challenges, but... Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, we have a bunch of healthy children that are almost all adults and um, they're they're functioning members of society. So mission accomplished. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're writing down any notes, especially if you're a writer here, folks, um, you know, Tony Hawk defies gravity, but remains grounded. I mean, grounded in soul, grounded in spirit. I mean, you're such a humble guy, Tony. Um, in closing, because I, I promise you I'd let you go. Um, I don't want to be the one that holds you back and say, oh, that Richard. Um, for, for me, knowing what the next five, 10 years look like for you, because I see what's happening behind the scenes, I've got my ear to the ground and I'm learning and listening to all the love and affection for you. Is there something that you've never done yet that you'd love to do in the realm of adventure, something that you want to take on, something you want to learn, something you'd love to do, that if you had the time to do it, you were still long enough to do it, you'd want to do it? I honestly gave up playing violin to become a skateboarder when I was about 10 years old. And I only gave it up because my music teacher said that I couldn't do both um, because he wanted me to do uh, concerts and things that were outside of school hours. 
And I told him, but I, but I'm supposed to go to Florida for this skateboard competition. And he's like, well, you can't do both of those things. And so I gave up violin, but I, I would love to relearn it. And I mean, I've had a full year to, to try to get back into it, but skateboarding has been taking up more time than ever. Wow, man. So, Tony. Someday I'll get back in there. No, we, I'm going to hold you to it, buddy. I'm going to hold you to it. So listen, um, I'm also going to hold myself to my word with you. As, as much as there was uh, content that we've already shot and I'll share with the team, um, I want to stay true to the fact that I know you've got 100 things to get to and I want to honor your calendar. Uh, Tony, you know what? You know, I really appreciate you. I respect you. There's a lot of love for you here on this call from around the world. Uh, we want you to know that we want to keep you safe. We're grateful for the work that you do. And uh, stay grounded, bro, but keep defying gravity because we really love it every time you do. You got that? Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate you, bud. Thanks for tuning into Courageous Conversations with Richard Dolan. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and we appreciate your support by reviewing us. You can follow our show at The Rich World on many social media channels. We hope that listeners like yourself enjoyed this episode. And remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or whatever other streaming services are available. Because we cannot wait to bring you more valuable content that can make a difference in your life.